Welcome back everyone to Random's Thoughts. It's been a little while since my previous Mythgard video, but here's the reason why. We have just recently, at the time of this recording, completed, well, the first end of season Mythgard Championship qualifier, and it was a lot of fun. So I wanted to make a quick video to talk about a few of my thoughts after having played through it, the game as a whole, and things looking forward. So let's jump into it. So I apologize in advance to everybody. You're going to have to get used to the sound of my voice because this one's very much going to be a talking to you video as opposed to me showing you things video. Maybe more appropriate for podcasts, but I don't want to digress. Anyway, first things first. Shout out to our champion, Garen. Congratulations. You fought through a field of, well, to be perfectly honest, a lot of competitors. I think there was over 80 people signed up. It was seven rounds of Swiss and... It was a lot of fun. So also shout out to all of the competitors, both the top eight individuals, which myself included, as well as all of the other people that participated in the Open. It was a lot of fun, and I really did enjoy my time playing through it entirely. So I have a lot of thoughts on the event as a whole, the format, the the meta itself, what we're going to be looking at going forward, how it's going to play into the championship, all of these kind of things. I'm going to kind of ramble through each of them, keep it as concise as I humanly can, which if you've watched my Twitch streams, you realize that may be a challenge for me personally, but we're going to make a concerted effort. So first things first, as mentioned before, I really did enjoy it. All my opponents were really cool. There was a lot of banter going on in the tournament discord channel as the event was going on. I know the Twitch streams, the official Twitch streams, did get a lot of viewers, so it was really cool to see the community invested in this particular event, whether they were competing or they were observing. And you had both ends of the spectrum throughout the day on each weekend. Now, that kind of leads into the each weekend part. We'll get that out of the way. So the event was split across two weekends, and honestly, I kind of wish that it was only a single weekend. It would have made for, don't get me wrong, a really long day, and I think there are there are legitimate logistical concerns, <clears throat> even in this online format of having back-to-back -back days. We're talking about a global event. There were players from all around the world. And as a result, you can't quite guarantee that it's going to fall within the appropriate time slot, let alone the appropriate day, for everybody to compete. So I can understand splitting it out. Personally, I would prefer if it was together, but it's reasonable. And it goes in that category of things where, personally, I may have my own opinion about it. Everybody does. But I don't think it's really that drastic of a deal. It does also give a break for everybody involved so that, you know, you don't have fatigue or hopefully don't have fatigue setting in, which was something for me personally, because as I normally do, I was very indecisive up until almost literally the last minute, quite literally the last minute. I submitted my decks both on the Friday before the Swiss rounds and the Friday before the uh, top eight rounds. <laughs> almost quite literally moments before the timer expired because I just couldn't quite decide. So what was my lineup? Well, in the Swiss and the top eight, I ran a different lineup each time, which is something that I want to talk about. So I ran ACC yellow purple aggro in my Swiss rounds. I also ran green red safe house in the Swiss rounds and then yellow blue rainbow in the Swiss. And this was a list that I we'll say borrowed from another competitor uh, because they were very much things that I wanted to run anyway. And I was leaning on the vastly better experience and play skill and deck building skill of other players. So I said, hey, they have some good deck lists. I like them. I'm going to run them. 
they ended up carrying me to a six and one record, which was very fortunate for me. I felt that while I thought I played well in most of the rounds, there were definitely very serious mistakes that I made both in the banning strategic phase, as well as in inside the game, tactical phases of each round. And I think I had a little bit of luck on my side, but fortunately I was able to top eight. Now, as I mentioned a moment ago, I played some different lists in the top eight. The top eight is kind of a different beast because we were allowed to change our decks. I'm not sure of what the reasoning behind it was. It was another one in the category, and this may become a recurring theme of it's fine. I would have liked to have seen something slightly different, and it's not the end of the world. I've seen other events in other games do this sort of thing, and realistically, it's not that big a deal, but it does introduce some wrinkles to the entire process. Notably, we we were paired by seeding, so we knew who our opponent was going to be. All the deck lists were open throughout the entire event, so we could easily research who had played what and when, and I went through and made a giant spreadsheet of the entire top eight, what they played, who they played against, what they won and lost with, and as much as I could figure out about the bands, because there are some quirks, and we'll talk about Conquest a little bit later. So I went through, I knew I was playing Logic, I knew his lineup, and I spent the week debating and hemming and hawing and going back and forth and whatever turn of phrase you prefer and ultimately couldn't even decide until again the the figurative 11th hour the night before both times I ended up getting very little sleep it didn't hurt me too bad seemingly in the Swiss rounds but I think it it may have played in on Saturday I was able to take one game because I changed my lineup from what I had mentioned before to green purple spirits a red orange safe house list and then I kept the yellow blue rainbow I felt that I had the matchups lined up in my head, but after looking at Logic's presented list on Saturday, because of course he could modify everything as well, I decided to ban something potentially incorrectly. In retrospect, I think that's true. I'm not sure if it's actually true. We'd have to play it out more, but I ended up falling in the top eight. So congratulations to Logic. He definitely outplayed and outstrategized me in that particular round. The better player won. So As mentioned at the top, Garen ended up taking the whole event. You can definitely check out those lists. I'm hoping that Mythgard Hub will get the top eight lists up there as well. At the time of this recording, they have the top eight Swiss rounds, but not the top eight actual completed deck lists. Again, this adds a weird wrinkle when you can change the decks. And it's been mentioned in many other places by many other people, but I wanted to call it out. The problem with it is, is you have this weird dichotomy between do I just try and make sure that I make top four do I try and play the whole field is my opponent going to counterpick me within the scheme of counterpicking within the bands and there's a whole bunch of layers to this which essentially I don't want to say it makes it random but it makes it very difficult to try and truly strategize around things unless you know your opponent very well Because you can't predict whether they are going to just audible to a completely different lineup and you set everything up to focus on their previous one. You can't know whether if you focus on their list, there's no way to predict whether the other six people involved in the top eight are going to change their list. There are a lot of different challenges that could come up as a result of this. I think it adds a somewhat interesting, or you can make an argument for it being an interesting layer strategically to go through all these steps and go through all these hoops. 
But I think it just adds a layer of stress instead to the competitors. And I don't know that the payoff is all that important from a viewer perspective. You might get something cool. You might just get everybody targeting each other. And then either you get weird matchups that are super non-interactive because somebody made the appropriate call and therefore all the matchups are real bad for player B. Or you get weird matchups where it's super clunky and uncomfortable and it's real scrappy, which might be fun to watch. It feels kind of weird. Going forward, I think it would be interesting to have the ability to just lock people to their Swiss round deck list. Now, for me personally, the fact that I was able to switch gave me a greater chance. I honestly think I would have been thrashed by Logic's lineup if I had maintained it. So I'm saying this with the, I guess, the caveat that even though I benefited from it, I still think it should be changed. If it doesn't get changed, is it a problem? No. I think there are fringe benefits, as mentioned, to viewership, to a number of other strategic factors that you could make an argument to keep the existing format. However, I don't think that it's all that much of a benefit in order to do this. Now let's talk about the elephant in the room, and that's the Conquest format. I've been on record on multiple occasions, pretty much every time it comes up, that I don't like the Conquest format. I played it across multiple games, uh, digital and physical. And I just don't prefer it. And I emphasize prefer because this is, I think, very much a preference thing for the most part. Now, I'm going to present some arguments against it that I think are more concrete and are pretty compelling as to the reasons that it should be a single deck format if possible. And that is also an important emphasis. The if possible is because right now I do not feel that Mythgard would benefit from a single deck without sideboards format. Now, whether it would benefit from a single deck with sideboard format has yet to be proven simply because we don't have the ability to really efficiently, very smoothly test that in client. I have been brainstorming some ideas, maybe host a tournament in client since obviously the community can do that to try and alleviate that or alleviate isn't the appropriate way to put it to address that and try and investigate whether a single deck format would work i'm not real clear as to whether it's actually going to materialize but that's a talk for another day as far as the conquest format goes as mentioned i think it's a necessary evil at this juncture simply because we don't really have a clean alternative i don't think single deck without sideboard is something that can even be reasonably looked at given the current meta which we'll touch on in a moment why do i think conquest is a problem well similar to changing decks in the top eight i think it introduces a lot of inconsistencies and highlights a lot of awkward things both within the meta and unfortunately i think negatively influences game design by encouraging super linear strategies and encouraging things that are not really fun to play or play against or in this case most importantly watch there's an argument that it it forces diversity among the metagame and i don't think that's true i don't think that's ever really been true in any game that i played where conquest was a thing and the reason for that is yes you do need to have multiple different decks yes by definition you have a quote-unquote diverse set of decks however if everybody shows up with what is effectively the same three deck lineup 
maybe one thing changed. I don't feel that that is significantly or meaningfully different than having a single deck with sideboard and then having four or five different decks across the top eight. It effectively becomes the same thing. It's just that everybody has to play all of these different things, which is fine if you want to force people to play multiple different decks and try and find who is the best player, which I would contend with. I don't think that necessarily produces the the best player. You could have someone who, if you create some weird metric that somebody who's focused on a single deck and is just the best in the world at that deck is a better player than someone who could play three good decks above average, if that makes sense. That's kind of a weird argument to even begin to have, so I don't really want to focus on that that much. But overall, I don't personally like the way Conquest goes. I don't like what it encourages, and I think that there is a larger discussion, and many other people much better at card games and much smarter than me have already presented all these points over the years since the inception of the Conquest format or other multi-deck formats. So, as before, I would prefer to see this go away and be replaced by a single deck with sideboards, but that requires both client changes, that requires, well, a community change. It's going to require a lot of testing because I'm not clear myself on where the game would stand if you had sideboards introduced. It is a different beast and a different way to play the game. Now, Conquest aside, although it, it very much bleeds into this, let's talk about the meta for a little bit. One of the advantages of Conquest is if there is an egregious build, an egregious strategy, a, a oppressive deck that exists, it's very simple for people to go, okay, well, I will just ban that every round and then play everything else out. That is one of the advantages of Conquest. The problem is, is that it skews things by virtue of that happening. And you're really just band-aiding the problem. The problem is the deck that is the problem. Why don't you royal you address that instead. Well, that's part of the issue here and why I want to take a moment to talk about it, or a few moments, really. Going in, yellow-green safe outs or yellow-green fires of creation were kind of the worst-kept secrets. They were very much established and known to be the best build. And as a result, I think most people, as soon as they saw a yellow-green list in their opponent's lineup, probably didn't even look at it. They just banned it immediately because it was safer to do that. Now, you can, again, within the context of Conquest, just say, okay, well, it gets banned, and then therefore it doesn't really impact things too much. But it it actually does. It ultimately plays into the entire banning strategy and the list that you're going to bring because you want, you're going to end up building different things and trying to set up different strategies to target different things on your opponent's lineup versus what they're going to target in yours. That may sound great, but to me, it kind of boils down to very binary choices or or not real choices it's it's a false choice in that yes you could allow them to do the bad thing let their yellow green deck through or you have to ban it and then you're you're limiting your own choices as to what you can do or it's limited by virtue of the way the format works i think that given what we've seen i don't know that there was anything new that was learned from the event that wasn't known ahead of time, meta-wise. And by that, I mean, we knew Safe House was one of, if not the best path. We knew that Yellow Green was the best, or at the very least, one of the best decks. 
We had a good sense that rainbow decks were going to make an appearance. We had a good sense that, well, three of the top eight were running ACC, which is another one of the powerful paths. Most of the the discussions about what are the strong paths and what are the weak paths, what are the strong powers and what are the weak powers, and what are the strong builds and the weak builds really were known coming into the event, in my opinion, and it kind of bore out that way. Now, it's important to take a look at not just the top eight, but things that just bubbled out. So we're saying ninth through 16th place, because there's also information to be gained there. And there were some additional unique builds and curious builds that carried people successfully through the day and just weren't quite enough to get them into the top eight, either because of breakers, bad matchups, whatever. Taking everything in the aggregate, everything in the the whole or the 10,000 foot view, again, whatever turn of phrase you prefer, I think everything was very much expected, which is fine. Often in card games, when you hear, oh, well, the expected thing won or the expected top eight bore out, that sounds bad, but it's not necessarily bad. A stable metagame like that is fine. The problem is, is that we are trying to juggle both the tournament metagame as well as the ladder metagame, which function in wildly different fashions. As a result, you end up having things that just don't quite line up in one or the other because it can be oppressive in one and not the other. So I think a number of paths need to get tweaked. They need to either all get buffed up to the most powerful levels or all get nerfed down to the to the worst level, the bottom level, in order to try and level them out. That's easier said than done, of course. However, I'm not one to... I guess the best way to put it is, it does not bother me that these paths dominate everything. That we have the safe houses of the world dominating the path bracket. Whereas you have things like Turn of Seasons and Colosseum of Strife scraping the bottom of the barrel. It's not that much different from cards. By definition, your top-tier tournament cards are going to push out the bottom-level chaff to unplayable status because things don't exist in a vacuum. It's the relationship between the power level of card A to power level card B and where they fit within the meta. So you're always going to have some cards and decks and paths and powers rising and some falling. I don't think that's inherently a problem. However... If the entire purpose of Conquest is to enforce this artificial diversity of deck builds and strategies, that's just not happening because everybody's boiling down to the same things, which again, isn't a problem. And I think that ties back into, I'd rather see the single deck formats where people can just be an expert in what they do. The bigger issue is this less from the competitive aspect and more for the latter aspect where As you'd imagine, people do want to try quirkier things. They do want to try different builds. They want to do all these different things. And you just kind of can't, at least not if your goal is to try to to climb the ladder and hit the higher levels. If it's not, that's fine. And I don't think it's that much of an issue. But there is a wild disparity in power level between a lot of these things. And there are consequences associated with it where you either have to accept that that is true and this will be true until the next set, the next balance patch, the next whatever, or something's got to change. And I'm not clear exactly whether that is okay, that is not. Personally, as I said, I'm fine. There's always going to be a top tier set of stuff. There's going to be a bottom tier set of stuff. 
And that's the way it's going to be. You're you're not realistically going to have perfect balance among all factions, all cards, all paths, all powers, all the time. It's just not realistic to expect that. And I think asking for that could introduce bigger problems than just kind of taking the, the metagame that we have. Still, I think that there are things that need to be changed. There are specific pain point cards that I don't need to list. Everybody knows most of them. That And there are other ones that are fringe that may only get a portion of the community to to say that they need a change versus the entire community if the entire community agrees on anything that is just like the paths the cards the decks all of them could use tweaks and could be brought closer into balance i think fighting for the exact one as opposed to just getting iterative changes to try and bring them closer is going to introduce problems I think it's worth making some changes to some of these things now that we've seen how the tournament bore out. As I said, I think, and I could be wrong, most people saw what they expected. So what's the path forward? Well, I mentioned a number of things that I would like to see changed. The question is, are there any that need to be changed? I think the most of the focus is going to be on the balance for the individual builds. As I mentioned, the the format and the general idea of the meta some other factors surrounding, I guess, what the card design ethos is. Those are things that I would expect to persist, and I don't see a problem with them persisting inherently. It's when you get into the the details, get into the weeds of, okay, well, we have our general idea of how the game should work. We have our general idea of what the archetypes and the strategies and all these things should be. But what about this specific card? What about that particular path? What about this thing? That's where there's going to be a lot of debate. There's going to be a lot of back and forth about what needs to be changed. I have my own personal list, and I, as I mentioned in the previous sections, I'm sure everybody out there has their own list of things that need to be addressed or need to be done. A lot of it boils down to I kind of accept the way the game is and just go with it, which sounds maybe defeatist, and I don't intend it that way, and it certainly isn't that way. To a certain extent... No game, unless you designed it yourself, and even then, that's probably not going to be true, is going to fit precisely into the bucket that you want it to. It's always going to be, well, it's 90% of the way, or 99, or if you don't like it, it's only 10% of the way of what you want the game to be. There's always going to be things, especially when you love something, and I've come to love Mythgard, where you nitpick at things, and you personally amplify your own complaints about it. And it's important to to try and ensure that you don't let that overtake things. That isn't to say that there aren't problems that can be just, or excuse me, that isn't to say that we can just brush away problems or, or brush them under the carpet. There are things that definitely need to be addressed, or I feel they need to be addressed. However, there are costs associated with doing everything, and it's not simply... Do I change this thing because clearly that'll make the meta better? Well, you're going to turn people off by virtue of making a change or not making a change. And you just have to weigh the two as to which are the most appropriate and which are the most beneficial for the community as a whole. There are a lot of knobs and levers to turn right now. As mentioned, I'd like to see some cards change. I'd like to see some format changes. But I think that this event overall was a lot of fun. I think it was a great capstone to the end of the season. I'm looking forward to the next season as well as the next 
end of season open. There are a lot of things to look forward to for Mythgard, and I'm very excited to participate moving forward. So that'll do it for this time, everybody. I appreciate everyone taking time out of their schedule to listen to my random thoughts. Uh, but I would appreciate if everybody would subscribe down below. If possible, check out the Twitch stream, and hopefully I'll see you in client for some Mythgard games. And with that, as always, everyone, thank you for listening, thank you for watching, and Black Lives Matter.